And here we go. All right, we should be alive. Uh, welcome, welcome to Live at Five. Uh, my name's Paul. I'm one of the leaders at Kingfisher Church. Uh, Live at Five, uh, we take about half an hour to look through a passage of the Bible together. Uh, this evening, we're going to be looking at Psalm 84, and we are going to be considering uh, the goodness of God's glorious presence. Uh, yep, Psalm 84. Uh, if you were listening the other week when we we're doing it, I think I said we might be doing Psalm 85. Uh, but it is Psalm 84 uh, that we're doing. Let's begin uh, in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. Lord, we pray that we would be a people who hear. Lord, that we would see Lord, the goodness of your glorious presence. Lord, captivate our hearts. Lord, even as we, we get a glimpse of something in reading this psalm. Lord, help us to know you better and that we may follow you more in the strength that you provide following your son, Jesus Christ, in accordance with your grace and the power of your spirit. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, have a look at Psalm 84 in a minute. Oh, and considering how we can uh, apply this, how we can pray through this psalm uh, for us now. But before we do that, I'm just going to begin uh, with a, a question. Uh, I want you to think about what is it that you are looking forward to? And what is it that you're longing for? I mean, just generally in life. Uh, we're at Sunday evening now. Uh, perhaps Monday the shadow of Monday looms over you. Already you're looking forward to Friday evening. Perhaps you're looking forward to the end of the pandemic and that opportunity to be able to embrace loved ones, the freedom to travel, to not have to wear a face mask. And what is it that you are looking forward to? And those things, that they aren't bad things. You know, rest the end of the pandemic, but so often we turn signposts uh, into the destination. And we seek to embrace shadows rather than substance. The rest is good. The end of the pandemic is good. Uh, but those things in themselves, they're not big enough to satisfy the deep desires within us. And just as hugging a shadow is not the same as actually hugging a beloved one. Rest is good. The end of the pandemic is good. But those things, you know, they point us forward uh, to something greater. As we're going to look at it in Psalm 84. The greatness, the goodness of God's glorious presence. Uh, last week, as we were going through Proverbs, uh, Rich quoted from Colossians 3. Uh, here are some words from Colossians 3. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Uh, Rich was showing us last week how uh, Proverbs helps us to do that. We're going to be complementing that uh, this week with Psalms, how Psalms, and specifically Psalm 84, uh, helps us to do that. So let's have a read through Psalm 84 together now this is psalm 84 for the director of music according to gitteth of the sons of korah a psalm 
How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer. Lord God Almighty, listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose way of life is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So the psalm here, it's a, a psalm of the sons of Korah. The book of Chronicles uh, describes the sons of Korah as uh, doorkeepers of singers in a temple of the Lord. Uh, and this psalm, it seems to be a pilgrimage psalm. So there were three great festivals where God instructed his people to travel to Jerusalem, to the temple in Jerusalem, the place where he would choose to put his name, the place of his presence, where his presence dwelt. Now, we're not living at that time in history. And yet all scripture, we're told, is breathed by God. It is useful for training in righteousness. So as we go through this psalm, I want to try and seek to apply it to us in our situation now, in the light of Jesus's life, death, resurrection and exaltation. Now, there are three anchor points we're going to be using as we go through this psalm. That's the place of God's presence, the people of God's presence and the prayer for God's presence. So we're going to begin then uh, looking at uh, verses one to four, the place of God's presence. Uh, please do follow along uh, in your Bibles. Verse one, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. I don't know about you, but lovely seems like a, a slightly weak word in our English language. I will talk about it. Now, that's a lovely meal. Or those were lovely flowers that you got me for Mother's Day. And if we just leave verse one there, if that's the connotations that we have with lovely, then we don't capture the immensity of the place of God's presence. Because we go into verse two, my soul yearns. It even faints for the courts of the Lord, the place of God's presence. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So how lovely is the dwelling place of the Lord? Well, it's one that causes our whole being to, to yearn to long, even to the point of fainting. Now, the imagery that's used here, it's imagery that people use of you know, yearning, longing for their beloved one. So lovely, it's not like a lovely meal. It's a desire for our beloved. There's this deep cry here, our heart and our flesh, it's our whole being. It cries out to the living God. And not a God of of stone or wood or a God of our imagination, the living, the relational God. 
the God who created all things, the God who gives life. Now, some translations uh, clarify this cry. It's a cry of joy. This joy of this fulfillment that we find in the one who created us. There's this deep desire within us. Now, the reason that love songs, that love stories work is because they tap into a desire that is already within us. We have this desire. We have this yearning. We were created for something more. We were created with this longing to be loved and to love. As we were considering this morning, to be caught up in the greatest love story, that the love within the Trinity itself. Now, God created us to share in that through his son, Jesus Christ. We have this longing to, to experience the intensity of the father's love for the son and to love in that, to be loved in it. We have this longing, this, this urging and love stories, love songs, they, they tap into that desire. Now, often these rivers of desire, they get diverted into lesser things. But there's something greater that we were created for. We were created for this love and this joy for being in God's presence. Our whole being, our heart and our flesh, it cries out for the living God. And to quote uh, an early Christian theologian, Augustine, says that our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. See that, that fulfillment, that longing. It's met, it's found in the presence of of God, that the place of God's presence is a place of, of fulfillment. And it's also a place of safety. As we get to verse three, we have this image of birds building their nests. Now, and when a bird builds its nest, generally it's going to build a nest where it's somewhere safe to protect its young. Now, of course, not all birds do that. In fact, God explicitly says so. He gives a reason for it in Job chapter 39. But it's this image of, of safety. And being at this place which is near the altar, or altars, plural. And in Exodus 21, 14, in 1 Kings 1, 51, the altar there is described as this place of safety. It's a place of sanctuary. This longing to be near the altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God. It's the Lord Almighty, the God who is over all, who reigns over all. That none of his purposes can be thwarted. Nothing can be taken out of his hands. We cannot be snatched out of his hand. He is the Lord Almighty and he is my king. He's your king. He's my God. He's your God. Intimacy and safety and security. And the place of God's presence here is presented as this place of rest, this place of safety, this place of refuge. All our longings are met in God himself. In his presence. And so verse four goes on to say, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever praising you. What more can you do? But praise the one in whom there is fulfillment, in whom there is safety and sanctuary. But a question for us to consider is what does it mean for us then to to dwell in the Lord's house, to dwell in the place of God's presence? Because we don't live at the time of the sons of Korah. How does this apply to us? How does the imagery apply to us? And the various ways that we can, in some ways, take this. I mean, what does the temple signify, first of all? Because the temple and the tabernacle that came before it, they were these miniature Edens, really. These pictures of Eden, expressions 
of Eden. And if you look at the structure of the temple, of the tabernacle, of some of the decor, it all harkens back to the Garden of Eden. And Garden was, the Garden of Eden was this place where heaven touched earth. It was the place of God's presence where God and man dwelt together uh, in fellowship. And we see then that the temple is this taste of Eden. It's a taste of what we were created for, what we were wired for. Now, in the New Testament, you may recall that Jesus describes his body as being a temple. So in John 2, where he says, I destroy this temple in three days, I'm going to raise it again. And there's all the debates for how you're going to do that. Uh, and the evangelist says Jesus is speaking about the temple of his body. So Jesus is described as the temple as he was walking the earth. He was that place where heaven and earth touched. Jesus, the, the son of the God, the, the divine human. God and man, fully God, fully man, where heaven and earth united. And then following Jesus's ascension, he pours out the Holy Spirit. Now, another counselor. God's presence among God's people. And because of the presence of God's spirit among his people, scripture also describes then the place of, of God's presence uh, being amongst God's people, the church. The gathering of God's people being a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we have God's people, the church, as this temple, a place of God's presence. And then when we get to the book of Revelation, it ends with this reuniting of heaven and earth. So in Revelation 21, 3 to 4, it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So as we read about the temple here in Psalm 84, there's probably a number of ways that we could apply this to us today. But taking this theme of pilgrimage that we see in the psalm, we're going to apply this in terms of the new creation. So in that Revelation says that Revelation 21, that within us there's this deep longing, this cry for Eden to be in the place of God's presence, this place of rest, fulfillment, of safety, in the presence of the living God. Now sin distorts those desires, as we saw last week in Proverbs. Now we end up chasing after lesser things, of useless things, that leads us in all the wrong places, the wrong direction. Leads us to our own destruction, the distortion of the image of God within us. But there is this place where our whole being can find rest. This place that our heart, that our flesh cries out that it longs for. And it is in the presence of God himself. You see, the yearnings that we have, the yearnings for, for the weekend, for rest, the yearnings for the end of the pandemic, for this freedom. They point to something greater. It is a yearning for something that really can only find its true fulfillment in the new creation, in God's presence. When heaven and earth completely reunite. And the only way that we can experience that, that new creation, that life, that intimacy of fellowship is through Jesus Christ. And so we're to set our hearts uh, not on earthly things. Not on these pictures, not on these glimpses, not on these signposts, not on these shadows but the substance, 
the ultimate destination, the presence of God, the true fulfillment of those desires. And yet, this blessedness is not simply future. See, one day the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth just as waters covers the seas. And yet the presence of God is not limited by space or, or limited by time. The presence of God is to be experienced now. And we see that in this psalm too. So verse 4 describes the blessedness of dwelling in God's house, the place of God's presence. But just notice verse 5. That blessedness is also to be shared by those who aren't physically there yet. They're on this pilgrimage, they're on this journey, they are journeying towards the place of God's presence. But as they journey, they journey as the people of God's presence. So our second anchor point, verses five to seven, are the people of God's presence. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. So this is how we're applying it now to, to our present situation. And for our, our strength uh, to be in Christ, to be looking uh, to Christ, it, our strength is not in ourselves, it is in God. And we've been considering uh, throughout the week uh, various words, haven't we, from an old Catechism, a creed. I'm going to bring that up now. Maybe it seems strange saying this together, seeing as we can't hear one another. It's strange for me just speaking to a camera, but now let's say this together. Let's join together to declare where our hope is. Our strength, not in ourselves. Our strength is in the Lord. There is a blessedness in that. So, what is your hope in life and death? That I am not my own, but I belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Saviour, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. See, though we live in this world, we are not to be living for this world. Verse 5, our hearts are set on pilgrimage, not on earthly things. Now, what we're looking for is that day, that day when Christ returns, when the glory of the Lord fills the earth. We're on a pilgrimage. And that journey means passing through valleys. Verse 6, the valley of Baca. Now, no one knows exactly where this valley is, but the Psalms use it as a metaphor. See, this valley is described as being this place that is dry and arid, or rather it's portrayed as such. It, just notice, it says it becomes a place of springs. It becomes a place of springs. So that suggests to us that that's not its original, that's not its natural state. It becomes a place of springs. Naturally, it's dry, it's arid. Baca also sounds like the Hebrew word for weeping. So this is a valley of weeping. But as God's people pass through this valley, it becomes this place of springs. Autumn's rains come and they fill it with pools. There's a, a gospel hymn that says, The world is not my home, I'm just passing through. 
And yes, the world is not our home. But you know what? We're not just passing through. We're not just passing through. We're not just passing through like you would pass through an airport terminal. We are called to be. We are the people of God's presence. And something of God's presence is to be manifested among the people of God in this world. Dry and arid valleys becoming a place of springs. A people who are blessed to be a blessing. God blessed Abraham. He called him so that through him all nations of the earth would be blessed. In Christ we've been called. We have been blessed in order to be a blessing. So one day the glory of the Lord, as we've said, it is going to cover the earth as waters covers the seas. And yet something of that glory is to be seen now as we walk. Sorry, it looked like we disconnected. Thrown off a bit there. We're not there yet. We're on this journey going from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. When we see him face to face, when we will be like him, when we see him as he is. And yet even now we walk, we walk with weeping. There are times where we walk with great weeping. There are some tears that are not going to be wiped away until that final day. As we walk through these valleys, the presence of God among the people of God is to reveal the goodness and glory of God, even in this dry and barren land, blessed to be a blessing. This world is not your home, but you are not just passing through as a people of God we are not just passing through something of the glory of God is to be seen amongst us and so how do we respond to this and this is where I, I want to draw our attention to this prayer that the petition in the psalm and a prayer for God's presence verses eight and nine we get this prayer Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield. Oh God, look with favour on your anointed one. Now the image of a shield, it's used of God in this psalm in verse 11, but it's also used of earthly kings. So in Psalm 47, uh, verse 9, uh, earthly kings are described as shields. Uh, and we see here uh, the shield, my shield, uh, and your anointed one. So the prayer here is a prayer for the king, the king of Israel. So how do we apply this prayer to our current situation? And we can talk about Jesus being our king. He is the anointed one. That's what Christ, that's what Messiah means. But surely we, we don't pray for Jesus. And Jesus prays, he intercedes for us. So what does it mean then for us to join in with the words of this psalm to pray this prayer? How do we apply it? Well, the prayer here, it asks for God to look with favour on the king. And the meaning is to grant the request of the king, to look at the king as he makes his request. So let's just go back a little bit, get some context to this psalm. And I think that it helps us apply it to us today. So Psalm 2, in many ways, functions as somewhat of an introduction to the Psalter along with Psalm 1. I'm going to bring something up uh, now. This is Psalm 2. In Psalm 2 verse 8, the king is instructed to do this. Uh, the Lord speaks to the anointed and he says, ask me, ask the Lord, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. 
Okay, so Psalm 84 is asking uh, that the king's request be heard. What is the king to request for? Psalm 2 tells us he's to request for the expansion of God's rule, God's kingdom under his reign. So the prayer here in Psalm 84 for the king is asking really for Psalm 2 to be fulfilled. This is a prayer for God's kingdom, the rule of God to expand over the whole earth under the reign of God's king. So in light of that, how do we pray this prayer in Psalm 84? Well, it's us praying for God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done, for the glory of Christ to be seen, for the rule of Christ to be manifest here on the earth. It is a prayer for the reign of Christ to be seen in our communities, in these dry and these arid valleys for these springs of, of refreshment to be seen, to be experienced, that people would experience the power of the living God, that they would come to know the living God and to taste the, the true life, the, the life that he gives, his blessing, the blessing of knowing God in Christ Jesus. It's a prayer for the return of Christ, for the new creation the glory of God will cover the whole earth as waters covers the seas. It's a prayer. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's a prayer that can only come out of a right view of God. Verse 10. Better is one day in your courts actually begins with the word for. And there's some debate as to how this word functions here. But I think when we see. The prayer in verse 9, in light of Psalm 2, then a simple four makes perfect sense. Now, this is a prayer for the expansion of God's kingdom, for God's rule, God's reign. For better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. See, why is it? Why do we dare to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done? And we wouldn't elect a government and let them have this manifesto which says, no, do whatever you want to do. What is the difference? Well, we're praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done for, because better is one day. See, the goodness of God's kingdom, it is beyond comparison. Better is one day in your courts. I'm just just imagine for a moment your dream holiday, your dream destination at a place of relaxation, at a place of, of safety. And someone pays for you to spend three years in that location. See, that, that dream location is just absolute garbage when compared to just one day in the Lord's presence. Better is one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere. Or just perhaps imagine then that the power and prestige of this world. Now, where, where you're in control, where people open doors for you, you don't answer to anyone. Now, they, they serve you. The power and prestige that the world looks to. We're told here, well, that is just empty. It's empty of honour. It's empty of security. When you compare that to being a doorkeeper. Just a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Now, the kingdom of God, the reign of Christ is the greatest thing that can be experienced 
in this world. It is the greatest thing that is going to happen to this world. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. He's the one who bestows, bestows favour and honour, true favour and honour. And no good thing does he withhold from those whose way of life is blameless. But God is good. Those are words that are so simple. And yet the depth of those words, we cannot even begin to comprehend. The goodness of God, the goodness of his reign, the goodness of his glorious presence and how wonderfully beautifully uh, just fulfilling and thrilling it is for us god is good to air in eden in that first place the, the place of god's presence we doubted that goodness we were deceived into thinking that god was withholding good so we read here no good thing does he withhold He's not a God who holds back that which is good. No good thing does he withhold from those whose way of life is blameless. He calls us into fellowship with himself, with fellowship into his son. To live the blameless life. To be true image bearers. Now he is the author of all goodness. He is the one who rescues us from the corruption, the destruction of our own sin, in order that we may share in his goodness. God is good. Simple words, a depth that we, we will never completely get to the bottom of. We will have an eternity to, to enjoy it, to be in his courts, ever praising him. goodness of God, the goodness of Christ, the glory of his reign. And so we are to set our eyes not on earthly things, but on Christ. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Father, captivate our hearts with the glory of your presence. Or that we would pray diligently for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done. Or to be seen now manifest in our lives as your people, the people of your presence. Lord, and to be seen on that day when Christ returns. And your glory fills the earth just as waters covers the sea and we praise you that you are good 
Oh, may we ever trust and ever seek you. Amen. Well, uh, thank you for joining uh, this evening. I trust it all went out. There weren't as many technical hiccups as seem to be popping up on the screen. Uh, we're going to be back next week. Uh, we're going to be looking at Psalms again. And uh, dare I say what it is. I think I said we're going to do Psalm 145. So uh, we're going to be back next week. Same time. Yep, Psalm 145. Live at five. Look forward to seeing you then.